Welcome to The Important Part, Investing with Liz Young. I'm Liz Young, Head of Investment Strategy at SoFi, here to help cut through the large amount of information out there about investing and get to the important part. With the help of my guests, you'll gain valuable insights, new perspectives, and the knowledge to confidently make your investment decisions. Welcome back to the important part, everybody. I've got a great interview for you today on healthcare coming from Scott Blackley at Oscar. Scott Blackley is the chief transformation officer at Oscar, where he focuses on managing the alignment of revenues with costs and oversees the company's operations. Prior to this role, Scott was the chief financial officer at Oscar from March 2021 through December 2022. This is an episode that is going to focus on the investment opportunities in healthcare. This is particularly about health insurance providers, but we're going to talk about the marriage between healthcare and technology and all of the different opportunities that that will present in the next few years. With that, let's get to the interview. Scott, welcome to the important part. This is a super interesting episode, particularly for me, because it's just a topic that I've been interested in for a long time. And anybody who follows me and my work knows that I've talked about healthcare over and over and over again as a good long-term investing opportunity. So we're going to cover it all today, but welcome on. I'm super excited to have you here. I am super excited to be here, Liz. uh, Healthcare has been an area for me as well that I've always been interested in, and I ended up wandering over here to work in this space a couple of years ago, and I'm excited to talk about some of the things that I've learned along the way. You make it sound like an accident, but your title, let's talk about this first, Chief transformation officer, which sounds very glamorous. It sounds very important, but what does that mean? And is it something that's particular to the technology sector? Is it particular to healthcare? It's not, I would say, a standard title, and it really is reflective of Oscar Health and our journey, right? So we're a 10-year-old company. Up until December, I was the chief financial officer And we realized that there were some opportunities for us to really align our cost and our efficiency of our organization to our revenue model. So the chief transformation officer is really a job that's focused on making sure that our business model has an alignment between the revenues that we're earning and the costs that we incur in delivering the services. Okay. So a little bit of a boring answer, but it basically means that anything that needs to be modified or changed is my responsibility. Got it. Transformed. Modified, changed, transformed. I get it. It's it's an influential role, nonetheless. It is. I've got all the, so like our operations organization and, and much of our technology sales business, those organizations report into me. So it does have, you know, give me the, a broad ability to help kind of shape how we deliver our services to our members. Got it. So for anybody that's listening who doesn't know what Oscar is or how it's different from maybe the big health insurance names that they know, can you just give us a quick rundown of how it's different? You mentioned that it's only a 10-year-old company, so relatively new in the space. Basically, what would you see as the biggest things that set it apart from some of the big incumbents? Yeah. So, you know, with most startups, there's some story as to why, why does this startup exist? And in fact, that, that happened here where our two founders, Mario Schlosser and Joshua Kushner had personal events where they had to interact with the healthcare system and were left feeling entirely underwhelmed about like, I don't know how to use this. I can't get the care I need. And they got together and decided that they wanted to change that. So they built Oscar Health, which is a 
health insurance provider. But the thing that really differentiates us is that from the beginning, it was built around kind of two concepts that we could use technology to deliver a differentiated service to our members and that, you know, the the system needed to be simpler for members to engage with. And so our whole premise is to use the technology that we built to make the navigation of healthcare simpler for our members. And I just kind of say a couple of things that I think really differentiate us. And these are important points just broadly as you think about healthcare, which is that the whole world of technology is changing. We all know that. And the thing that is different for us is that all of our technology is cloud native, right? It was built to leverage the power of the cloud and it was all purpose built. So we built each component of our technology stack to do what we thought needed to be done, you know, in the most efficient and leveraging that rich data environment. So we can do things like get real time data about our members, be able to tell people when they want to know. What is the cost of this? What is the claims for that? And I think that's one of the things that really differentiates us to legacy players who have like this giant spaghetti, you know, knot of technology that they're going to have to unwind that entire Gordian knot in able to get themselves to a more efficient technology footprint. And from experience, I would say that that takes a long time and a lot of investment. So we've started where incumbents want to get to. And I think that just gives us a, a really significant advantage. Well, a couple things just to follow up. So you're, would you say your typical client is more of a self-employed, a small business, that sort of startup, that kind of thing? Or do you have big corporate clients? Are you targeting big corporate clients as well? Oh, that's a, a terrific question. And Oscar is primarily in the Affordable Care Act marketplace, which tends to be you know individuals who are lower in the overall income strata than the the overall person who is who's at you know a large employer and getting their health care from their large employer you know these tend to be um, people who don't have employer provided care we also have a small group product which is for smaller companies that have a small number of employees and qualified to be in the ACA marketplace so we are in that market almost exclusively. And the thing I would just say about the ACA marketplace is it's incredibly dynamic and it's an example of some of the trends that we anticipated would arise in health insurance, which you know are that it would become more consumerized, that the health insurance would become more digital and that it would be more value-based. And if you think about the things in the ACA market that are you know, unique and different, Every member buys their own plan. They select through, you know, they go through and they have many options of what they can pick and they can customize it for their exact personal circumstances. But it is a marketplace where I think if you can make it in the ACA, it probably gives you good skills to make it in the rest of the marketplace. Okay. All right. So I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that everybody listening and and maybe SoFi members in particular who tend to skew a little bit younger as investors. When I think about investing in healthcare, I'm not necessarily thinking about investing in a company that is older, has been providing the same services for decades. I'm thinking about what's the future of healthcare. And I'm thinking about the growth opportunity, particularly right now, because we've got 
this environment that has basically punished growth companies because of rising interest rates and typical growth companies falling into the technology sector, communications and consumer discretionary. But when you look at healthcare, I view this as an opportunity for growth that isn't as interest rate sensitive. So my question to you would be, if I were going to split up the healthcare sector into companies that are growing, not dying, right? So I would say probably newer, more innovative, things like Oscar, things like even biotech, pharma, some of the smaller companies that are providing maybe telehealth, that sort of thing. Do you think the competition is going to offer opportunities to investors? And and you can answer that just based on Oscar and what you see as your biggest competitor moving forward in the next few years? What does that look like? Because that's that's one of the biggest things when we think about investing in a company for the long term. How protected are they from others? Are they really pulling ahead? Boy, that that's uh, a humongous question. A lot of... Uh, <laughs> lot of that's why I asked it early. Uh, no, we can I just spend the whole that. rest of it on this. So <laughs> before I came to Oscar Health, I was at Capital One and I spent a number of years there. And the reason that's relevant is that that's a company who you know, was a relatively new entrant into the banking and consumer finance, you know, world and grew rapidly and was able to get, you know, significant success. And mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to to really learn from the experiences at Capital One. But the things that I think were most critical in some of the success of that company, I see parallels in healthcare, which is okay. if you stick with your old, you know, kind of I engage with my customers in a very specific way under terms that I dictate to that customer. Pretty soon, someone's going to come along and disrupt that and innovate and get between you and your customer, right? And we saw that all over banking, right? That is the rise of fintech. And I think that in the healthcare sector, I think there's just been less evolution and less disruption. I think it started. I think that there's still room for a massive amount. Because if you look at the largest incumbent players, those players are still dominant, right? You've got a handful of very large and well-capitalized players who you know sit kind of at the top. And then you've got a whole host of newer disruptive companies that are trying to take on components of, of the healthcare stack. And so the things that I think I would look for that are differentiating do you have a model that is targeted for a specific application in healthcare? Because one of the things I've learned about healthcare is it's like a thousand layer cake, right? You can pick any one of those layers and try to um, really become excellent in one very specific thing. And I think that's what you see in healthcare. So, you know, from my perspective, I would look for someone who's bringing technology to a specific sliver trying to do something differentiated. In our case, we're focused on let's compete in the ACA marketplace. Let's use technology to try to drive, you know, member engagement in different ways. When I look at others who are, you know, really focused on whether it's on the provider side, how can they, you know, function as a provider in a different way? How can they take on more risk? So look for companies that are specializing in their strengths first, not the ones that are trying to do everything, be all things to all people. Because the reality of it, and this is my opinion, I'm not saying this as fact, the reality of it is that you're probably not going to enter the space and start to compete with the United Healthcare's of the world, right? It's it's a difficult thing to crack. And, and realistically, it's probably a different market, right? It's That's 
B2B, you're more B2C. Um, so I think if we focus on the B2C component, what have you seen then in companies that are consumer facing when they're trying to bring this technology aspect to it, the appetite for that, right? Are consumers, do they trust you? Because I mean, this is a space too. This is the other thing. Investing in healthcare is totally different than using healthcare, right? So let's start off at truly, do you use a digital app that you interact with your healthcare insurance provider? Yes. So you are a rarity because most people would say no, right? Like they don't have an app. <laughs> that they use to interact with their healthcare provider. You know, when I think about my own provider, I mainly think of, you know, a company that uses fax machines and that mm -hmm. I have to call on the phone, right? And mm -hmm. so I would say, when I think about what do consumers want, they want to be able to engage with digital tools. We all walk around with phones and iPads and laptops, and we want to be able to engage when we want to. I don't want to have to call my doctor during this, you know, these specific hours to book an appointment. I don't want to have to call my doctor to get my lab results at hours that are convenient for, you know, the provider. And so one of the things that I think is really on the cutting edge of where, you know, trends are going in healthcare is really this notion of, you know, being consumerized, where we're starting to work backwards from how do we make this easier for the individuals who, you know, are, are consuming healthcare and it is one of the things I think Oscar is punches way above our weight on. And, you know, so 42% of our members are engaging with us every month through our digital tools, which may not seem like a, wow. a really high amount, but for, you know, in this industry, that's really, really significant. And we do things like book appointments for you, help you understand the costs, you know, what the, the expected costs of your care is going to be. You book appointments with the doctors? Yeah, you can book your appointment straight wow. to the doctor. You can go on the app. You can look at all the doctors that are in your area. You can, they're all rated. They give you information about them. They, you know, tell you, you know, what language they speak, how well, you know, members have, have felt like they've provided service. So it's a very much kind of a user-centric model. And... 87% of our members have been, you know, really engaged with us on a digital basis at some point in our life. And that translates to, for us, a much higher net promoter score. So we've got an NPS of around 47 in an industry where, you know, I think three is the average for, for industry players. So trying to change the way you engage with your member, I think, is a really important trend to look for in terms of like almost everything else, really, where technology is the front end of how can you make your technology really customized for use so that the member can or the customer can use it as they see fit, that it's real time, right? Like, I don't want to wait for my information to come. I want my data, you know, right away, which I think is one of the powers of players who are cloud-based and certainly cloud-native. And then last, I would say, you know, this notion of intelligent, right? Like, how can you use AI? How can you use machine learning to make that navigation of that data simpler for us? And I think that is one of the trends that I think has yet to really been embraced in healthcare. Uh -huh. And I think companies that have great data and are technology enabled, I think will be at the forefront of being able to use AI not necessarily to provide medical care, but everything else around that to make that easier. 
and to make it faster. And I think that will be kind of the next set of evolutions that we see in healthcare will certainly involve, you know, how does AI make everything we do more efficient and cheaper? Yeah, and that's and that's a big juicy one. I'm going to save that for a minute. All right, I actually have a really a really important question that I think it goes towards basically how would policy changes affect the industry as a whole, right? This is one of the industries that is pretty directly affected by what the government does or does not do and different policies that certain administrations may or may not put into place. So if you're focusing on basically the subset of people or businesses that would be in the Affordable Care Act, what happens if the ACA goes away? Well, I will say that political risk is always, you know, in healthcare, I think it's it's a standing risk for all of us that we all have to navigate. And, you know, my thoughts on that and, and approach are that, you know, being able to participate and and be, you know, provide insights to policymakers is is an important role for all of us in this industry to play. Um, having said that, right, the the next step of what do you do if there's change? I think Oscars, we've lived through multiple versions of the ACA under different administrations who wanted to make it as small as it could be or, you know, expand it. And I would say this, I think that the ACA has proven durable. And I would anticipate that there's some version of the ACA in the future. If for some reason there isn't, I think that Oscars built the technology and the platform and the all the tools that we would, you know, we could find and migrate with wherever that marketplace ultimately moved to. But, you know, I think that when I think about risk from stroke of the pen risk, as lots of people call it, like we're going to eliminate a set of laws and services, it's just evolved in the point of ACA. It's been here for so long. There's 16 million people now that are getting health insurance under the ACA that's projected to go up to 20 million in the near future. So it's a big part of how we provide health insurance and health care to, you know, a large portion of this country. And I don't think that it makes sense to go backwards on that. Okay. So talk to me about basically how a company like Oscar is expanding profit margins or, or would make money in this space. So if, if we're talking about a consumer that falls maybe on the lower end of the income spectrum or smaller businesses that are just starting out. I mean, obviously there's not a lot of discretionary income to go around and there's policy constraints depending on what should be available out there and, and what people are willing to pay for. So I'm asking this from an investor's point of view. If I'm going to invest in a company that is new in the healthcare technology space, what am I looking for to gauge their profit potential? Yeah, it is a terrific question because it's such a, at least in the ACA marketplace, it is a annual process where you have to reacquire your customer mm -hmm. by virtue of providing them with customized plans and pricing that meet their needs, right? And so I would say, if I'm looking at this from an investor lens, I want to find companies that are innovative and innovative in terms of the plans that they're designing, the cost of the plans that they're bringing into the marketplace. And Oscar, through its life, has been one of the low-cost providers, and that's helped us to grow. And we've been able to become more efficient at the services we provide and take those savings and put them into maintaining a low price point. But we've pushed that up just a little bit where we continue to be a good price provider, but we're also not the cheapest in all markets. 
what we do is that we create customized plans, for example, a diabetes plan that allows you to know for certain how much are you going to spend on insulin every month, right? Being able to do targeted things with our technology to differentiate and to try to really hone in on how do we deliver the, the best care for our members, that's one of the things that we can do. The second thing is how we engage with our network partners, right? So if you just think about the ecosystem of healthcare, the providers, all the doctors, the hospital systems are a huge part of this, right? And so how do you make this better and more efficient and effective for them is another important part of, you know, thinking about the total economics of these arrangements. And with Oscar, you know, I think that we partner in a way we've got digital tools that we use to to try to engage with the provider side of what we do. So we're trying to help them be more efficient and more effective. Um, in fact, 48% of the members at Oscar are in arrangements that are value-based. And that means that, you know, there's some, re there's some structure that a lot of doctors get paid fee-for-service. They just get paid a certain amount to do a service, right? And that doesn't necessarily incentivize them to be both efficient and provide great care. And so a lot of what we're seeing in this industry is a shift towards value-based care where, you know, the, the hospital systems and the doctors are providing care and they're participating in, if you do a better job, if you have it be cheaper, there's some benefit that accrues to them. And we think that's an important structural change in healthcare where you just don't get paid to show up for 30 minutes and talk to a patient. You actually have to do a great job and keep the cost for that patient low and be thoughtful about that. So that's another thing that I think is going to be an important angle in terms of how well you engage in value-based care is going to be something that I think differentiates. And, you know, Oscar is certainly kind of at the forefront thinking about how to drive that forward. Okay. Well, question about inflation. Obviously, investors are thinking about inflation constantly. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of talking about inflation, to be frank about it. But in healthcare, I think it's a little bit more murky about how inflation would affect your business. Does it affect your business? Do you think about it aside from just cost of capital and, and how you're running the business? But does it affect the prices that you have to charge your customers and the prices that they're willing to pay? Yeah, boy, inflation really is dynamic. And you're right. But I think we're all tired of thinking and talking about what are the effects of inflation to the cost of funding, certainly for startups and for newer innovative companies that have a high cost of capital. Inflation is a real headwind for that side of the funding of businesses. But from the perspective, if you think about just industry structure, inflation starts at the point of the provider. And so you're seeing hospital systems losing more money than they have at any point in history, right? Like just some staggering, they're the front end of inflation. So they're picking up all of the costs of, you know, increased costs of labor, increased costs of, you know, virtually everything that they have to acquire. That front end cost slowly gets absorbed through to people like health insurers where we pass those costs on to our consumers. So we have longer term arrangements with our network partners where we pay a fixed amount, you know, and those arrangements last for a number of years. Over time, that higher cost that mm. the providers are seeing will come through and everyone in this industry will pass those costs on to consumers. So ultimately, it's going to pressure consumers over time. But that's probably something that's going to take two, three, four years to really see the full effect of inflation working its way through healthcare system. That's interesting, actually, because so then it has a super delayed reaction. It does. So 
we've known we've known as consumers that inflation has been an issue for the better part of 18 months. Maybe we haven't entirely seen it yet in costs like health insurance, but we'll see it, I don't know, let's say a year down the road when inflation has actually come back down. Absolutely. This is a lagged effect wow. for a lot of health insurance. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to cover one more thing before I let you go. You mentioned AI and machine learning. So obviously there's a ton of opportunity in so many industries, right, for this to really be put into place and to advance technology for many, many, many years to come. I think the most interesting part or maybe the the scariest part for consumers is about privacy and how does AI, how does machine learning affect their privacy? How do people get comfortable with that? I mean, aside from even just thinking about robots now performing surgeries, right, which scares me to death, but no pun intended, but it does scare me a lot. (laughs) Thinking about health insurance, I mean, our health insurance providers are one of the companies in our lives that have so much information about us, so much very private information about us. How can consumers and how are you seeing consumers become comfortable with technology being such a bigger part? of their healthcare experience. Boy, that is, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of risk and this black box risk of machine learning is based on data. It needs data to learn and to build algorithms. And so I think you really have to question the ethics of the organizations that you affiliate yourself with because in its worst form, AI can be used to say, oh, I don't want to do business with these people because they're, they have higher health risk. They are you know, a customer who ultimately is going to be higher cost for me. And so in a market like the ACA, where it is supposed to be blind to medical conditions and where we under, everyone who comes in, we don't underwrite the medical situation. We take all members And, you know, there's a process that goes on that allows you to kind of equalize across that ACA industry. I won't go into the details of that. But in general, we take everyone that comes, right? And how we use AI to make sure that we treat every member fairly and appropriately, I think those are the types of risks that really concern me. And that starts with how ethical do you believe your the company is? Like, what are the motivations? You know, who are the people running the company? Those are going to be increasingly important decisions for all of us because you're not going to know, you know, what's going on in these black boxes and what they're doing to try to dictate how you receive services. And then when it comes to the privacy angle in terms of getting that information, I think that one can be overcome. I think we can mask individual information and not have individual personalized information be part of what gets consumed by, you know, this machine learning activity. And really, I think there's a huge opportunity for it to be advantageous to all of us, right? It can cause your the cost of healthcare to come down. And I do think that there's a meaningful yeah. opportunity one thing I've learned in this industry is that there is an unbelievable level of inefficiency in a, in a world where fax machines continue to be a significant component of how we People, communicate. They still, they still have oh my goodness. I don't even... It's, fax machines are the predominant way that most physician practices communicate. And, wow. Oh, it's still out there. I just, I, it's hard to believe some of you know the things that we would think like, oh, of course you wouldn't use a fax machine. You still do. So there is a huge opportunity for technology to come into this whole space 
and make everything more efficient. And I really believe that we, you know, in 10 years, when Liz, we talk again, we'll be talking about how crazy it was that 10 years ago, we used fax machines. And how now when, you know, you need to know how much I'm going to have a, a procedure, and I'm going to go have a colonoscopy. And instead of you worrying about what's my copay going to be, or, you know, you're going to get a text message from your health insurance that say, Liz, I know you're having a colonoscopy next week. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, God, I hope not. Cost you this much, and don't worry. And you know everything's going to be great. If you have any concerns, let's talk. You know, I think there's just such yeah. a powerful way to make the healthcare more accessible, more under you know understandable, and more efficient. Yeah. Wow. I bet. Look, I, I'll offer a bonus. It'll just be like a high five to anybody listening to this who even knows what fax is short for, without Ooh. googling it. Right. Anyway. Okay. Last thing I'm going to ask you, and then I will let you get out of here. What are you the most excited about with Oscar or just with healthcare and technology in general, let's say for the next five years? Wow. So long story. So I will just say this. I came to Oscar because I saw through banking and financial services, the power of disruption that can happen when technology is brought to bear on complicated problems, right? And so I, I believe that that's going to happen in healthcare. And what really attracted me to Oscar was the fact that they had built this technology stack from the ground up, and it's all cloud native, including kind of a thoughtful data environment. So that, I think, is what is most exciting for me is what is going to happen with really the the consumerization of healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. And there's there's something called an individual coverage health reimbursement arrangement, which is basically a way that as an employer, instead of me telling you, hey, you've got to go use Oscar to as your healthcare insurance provider. It's the only one you can choose. This is now an option where employers can say, I'm going to give you pre-tax dollars, your premium, and you know, I could even cover some of your your costs, and you pick the health insurance that you want that hmm. meets your circumstances, right? So this is available today. We're just not seeing it really leveraged and used. And it's kind of like the 401k product. Once it became a standard thing, everyone embraced it. And so I really believe there's an opportunity for this whole industry to become more consumer centric, where it's driven by the consumer choice. And today, I don't think that aside from the ACA, and a little bit of in the Medicare area, you don't get to choose. You more or less are dictated by your employer, you know, what kind of plan you get. So I'm super excited to see how that evolves and what the evolution of that may look like. But, you know, you asked this in, in our pre-discussion about, you know, what's going to happen with technology, Liz? And I think that we will look back in 10 years on how healthcare is delivered and we will be awed at the difference of how technology has changed everything that we do. And I'm certain that AI will become an important part of that, not because it's going to be doing surgery. I think that's, I'll probably be gone before that happens. Let's hope. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm okay with AI telling me things like, I want to report your labs to you. I know you mm -hmm. had a lab last week and I'm not going to wait for your doctor to call you. You know, when you want it, you call me and you tell me when you want your lab results and I can give you those, right? Mm -hmm. There's things that I think can happen where we make this so much more friendly for the users of healthcare and that we can consume it in ways like, I don't know about you, but 
I, when I want to do banking, I want to do banking right now. I want to get on there and I want to, you know, yeah. pay my bills. I mean, I work at SoFi. That's, that's exactly, our whole thing. Right. You're, that's our exactly, whole stick. Yeah. We're leading the charge, you know, in some of these areas. And so the question about how can healthcare become more like that, right? Like we all have to consume healthcare in these very specific and time slotted ways. And it's just, it's brutal in a world where what we should be doing is, you know, consuming things on terms the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. And I'm super excited to see that happen. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much. This has been, and I really mean this, this has been a really interesting episode for me. I think it's a, it's an important topic. It's an important topic for investors. It's an important topic for Americans. It's an important topic for just our health, obviously, overall. So thank you so much for joining me and sharing all of your wisdom. Well, uh, Liz, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for all the great questions. Well, again, another great episode of interesting tidbits. And I I couldn't think of anybody better to have on than Scott. He was great at sharing some of his insights on the healthcare industry. Some of the things that really hit me as surprising or interesting as we think about this from an investment perspective is how much the healthcare industry likely becomes more consumer-driven down the road. And I think that that's probably a great thing for the consumer. It definitely changes the competitive landscape in healthcare. And it'll be interesting to watch how these companies, some of the newer companies in particular, weather that storm. He suggested that you focus on companies as an investor that specialize in a specific part of the ecosystem. So the ones that are capitalizing on their strengths and not trying to be all things to all people. The example here, obviously, was that Oscar looks to customers that are subject to the Affordable Care Act. So they're capitalizing on their strength in that space. But there's a lot of other opportunities in the healthcare sector for companies that are being specific about their set of customers. And then the idea that this inflation piece just shocked me. So thinking about the timing of how inflation affects different industries, and Scott mentioned that inflation likely has a very lagged effect on health insurance because it starts with the provider, and that takes a year, maybe even two years, to completely work its way through the system. So by the time we see inflation affecting our health insurance premiums, could be long after we're not even talking about inflation anymore in real time. And then watching the health insurance premiums maybe come back down after inflation has come down, that also has a super lagged effect. So I thought that was really fascinating. And it's definitely something to keep in mind as an investor when you're watching the revenues, the profit margins, and the price changes that occur. So thank you very much for listening. And I look so much forward to bringing you the next episode very soon. For more from me, check out my weekly column on the markets and economy every Thursday morning on the SoFi blog at SoFi.com slash blog. And follow me on Twitter for daily takes on the market at Liz Youngstrap. The Important Part is produced by SoFi in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Sarah Lee Kane, our producer, Brian Rivers, our production manager, and Adam Raimonda, our editor and sound engineer. SoFi can't guarantee future financial performance and past performance is no guarantee. This podcast should be used for informational purposes only and not deemed as a recommendation. Our automated investing is via SoFi Wealth, LLC, and is a registered investment advisor. Our active investing is via SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. For additional disclosures related to the SoFi Invest platforms, please visit sofi.com legal.